Welcome to the Jay and Pav podcast experience. Please grab a coffee, set down your marking, and embark on this playful, fun, yet genuine listening experience on education. Listening to Che Cheney and Pav Wanda, also known as Jim Guy and Wonder Woman. And welcome to the staff room, a half hour to engage in some meaningful conversation about some of the topics we think are meaningful and relevant to our day to day teaching experiences. The Staff Room Podcast is hosted by the On Podcast Media Network. Our origin story and weekly articles are hosted on the School Rubric website, and we have just started hosting a half-hour live drive radio show on Voice Ed Radio Friday mornings at 8 a.m. Eastern Time, and we are now connected to an amazing group of educators who have come together to form the Education Never Dies crew. So let's get into it. Let's talk about today's episode. Today... We are continuing a conversation that we started earlier this morning on the drive about poetry. And uh, we were able to infuse music into this episode quite naturally. Obviously, music and poetry go hand in hand together. But as we were talking, we really began reflecting about how much we love this unit in our language programs. And it's not so much a unit anymore. We've really embedded it into our entire programming. So we'll get into that in just a second, but we should probably start by introducing ourselves. My name is Pav, and I make up half of the hosting team of the Staff Room Podcast, and I'm here sitting with my co-host, and his name is Che, and he will introduce himself. Say, pardon me? I fake him out with a left hook, he sucker goes for it, I punch him in the solar plexus, I say, how's that staff room enough for you? Ever since, I've been the champ. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jay, I have to say that when you were practicing that, I was doubled over laughing, like doubled over. And I thought to myself, nobody is going to get this. Me and Mrs. Champ. <laughs> no, this is a good one. Like when we're giving out stickers later this week, this is, oh, I get that. That's Rocky. This, <laughs> this, this is not Rocky. This isn't Rocky <laughs> for you. This is not Rocky. This is not Die Hard. <laughs> this is, this is going to be tough. <laughs> this is going to be tough for, I believe for our American followers, this will be a tough reference. So it'll be fun to give out some prizes for this, for sure. <laughs> I was laughing. And welcome to the Staff Room Podcast (laughs) with Che and Pav, and we are here to talk about poetry, an extension of our live drive show this morning. And before we jump in, I want to highlight, this is the value in just talking real time, where our podcast isn't going to be released 17 months later. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but for us, that's not where we're at. We really love that authentic talk that is a reflection of how we're feeling right here, right now. In 17 months... 
Yeah. <laughs> Who knows how to? I wouldn't be a professional educator anymore. I might be something else. But it just it means that what we're sharing with our with our listeners is how we're feeling right now, where we are on our journey right now. And so our topic today wasn't going to be poetry. No. The radio show was going to be poetry. And then the talk was so engaging. And then the amount of interaction on social media was so engaging. We just said, we need to keep the conversation going. Even this morning on the radio show, we didn't stop at 30 minutes. We went the full 45. So I don't know who was on those 15 minutes after us, but they got cut. They're probably writing a nasty email right now. <laughs> no, you're right. absolutely right. I remember looking at the time while we were talking and I thought, oh, it's 8.35. We're already gone over time, but we have until 8.45 uh, on Friday mornings. And so we went the full 45 minutes. And the con- the conversation, as you said, Che, was continuing as we were as we were on the air and people were talking to us live on social media and we thought this is we're so engaged right now we have to keep talking about this and that's why that's why we decided to you know alter our episode for this uh for this for today for our podcast and continue with our poetry conversation because this is what we're talking about this is what we're feeling this is what's passionate and this is what's resonating so why go back to a predetermined topic when you're trying to fake generate some passion. No, we are thinking all about poetry today. And so let's dive into our our talk on poetry. We really want two components, you know, poetry in our classrooms, delivering a great material, and then sort of sources and how we can amplify poetry in our classrooms. But we also want to talk, bring it back to general themes, because one of the themes that came up was the idea that teachers teaching outside of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And so when we referenced I'm not particularly great at poetry. It's not really my passion, but it's become one of the foundations of my program because I've been so invested because I know it's not my strength, that my vulnerability in the subject makes me be more informed in my practice, research a little bit more, be very focused in my program delivery. So we want to talk about poetry today, but as an extension, we want to talk about how teachers can set themselves up to be really effective in an area where perhaps they didn't think they could be effective. Absolutely. Um, and you're, you're absolutely right with the, with the talk about, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. Sometimes we're not really, we have to teach something and we're not sure if we can. And, um, and we do that extra work just to prepare ourselves. We're not always thinking that this is going to be beneficial, all this research and stuff that we're doing for this, for this particular task that we don't feel comfortable with is going to benefit the students. We're thinking about how are we going to present this to our students so that we don't come off as, you know, being hokey or, um, you know, not really knowing our stuff. So, in that, there's so much stuff that we learn. And when it comes to poetry, I, this has always been one of my favorite units for, for language arts. And I'm still working really hard at getting outside of the whole, you know, compartmentalized units in my language arts program. This is something I've been working on for quite some time. I love to embed poetry throughout the school year, but I often feel like Ugh, it's really hard to teach a style of poetry when it's not compartmentalized. So, you know, I do throw in poetry whenever I can. This year is a little bit different. I haven't taught poetry actually in 
almost three years now because last year I was completely rotary science. This year I'm just math and science. And so I'm lacking a little bit of that uh, connection to poetry, which is maybe why I was so passionate this morning when we started talking about poetry, because it is something that I do connect very well with. But um, poetry has always been a very popular, popular uh, subject, a popular subtopic in my language arts program, and I've enjoyed teaching it over the years. You know, middle school students always moan and groan and give me poetry. We are going to do some poetry, and there are some prerequisites to get ourselves ready for poetry because you know, you and I both have middle school experience. I know you with your Rotary have had more experience, but I've been I've been in middle school for quite some time. There's always a hurdle you have to get over, and some of it's really on that social emotional level first. You really have to have a classroom where there is trust, where students feel safe, because the only way you can get really meaningful poetry is when students are willing to be vulnerable. And students aren't just because you say, time to be vulnerable. That's, that's not really how you get students to be vulnerable. They have to feel really safe and secure and feel their voice matters and feel, feel their perspective matters. So you really have to make sure those elements in your classes are locked down, because if to have that great poetry, you have to be willing and able to get to being vulnerable. And if you don't have that social emotional learning, that classroom environment where students are willing to get there, then that, that's a big hurdle you have to overcome. And then you talked to the second part is that you, you embed it all the time. You don't want to compartmentalize poetry. And although in my class I have my poetry soiree and it's very focused and all students know this is the poetry time, but we build up to that in a variety of other activities or a variety of other subjects or a variety of other smaller tasks where they don't necessarily see it with as being a poetry unit. So sometimes when I'm trying to build vocabulary, I will say, okay, and, and this morning is a warm-up warm up activity, I'll give you three words. And then I'll go the very traditional, look up the three words. Put two words into uh, your own, in your own understanding, own sentence. And then I'll third one, I'll say, take that third word and make a rhyming lyric. And then the next day or another week later, I'll build some vocabulary as a warm-up activity, and I'll give four words, and I'll go the look up the four definitions, but then give me two in context in a, in a sentence, and I'll say, give me two more in a poem, quick poem about a character in the book we're reading. And the students start to just get a little bit of flavor of poetry, connecting it to rhyming or connecting it to a novel study, where it's not necessarily a poetry unit. I haven't addressed the task as poetry. I've addressed the task as we are vocabulary building now. We're getting used to using using different words in different uh, scenarios. And so as we get ready for poetry, when the unit comes, assuming all that social emotional area is taken care of and students do feel safe and vulnerable, it's not that it's poetry out of nowhere. I actually come back and say, oh, don't, don't be fearful of this poetry. You've actually done some. Remember this activity we did here? You can come back here to this vocabulary building activity. And question three we worked on was build a rhyming lyric. You see, that, that's, that's the foundation of some poetry right there. And so when I think of my poetry unit, I think of a couple of prerequisites. Embed that poetry in little spots here and there, here and there, and maybe not label it poetry. And then make sure that our students are safe and comfortable to be vulnerable. And these are the, when you come to teaching your poetry unit, you can tell your students, oh, don't, don't feel, don't, no moaning groan. You've done some poetry. Remember this? And then you've got that place where all our students feel comfortable and you have to make sure every student feels comfortable because you don't have a safe space until every student feels safe. Absolutely. Um, figurative language 
and um, literary devices. These are two areas. That I'm so glad you put uh, my talk into real educational talkie. That's <laughs> you guys like, oh, we just we need vocabulary, and then you put that right into something that we all understand. Yes, <laughs> the educational talk. No, you had me thinking while you were talking, and you mentioned you know building up on the prerequisites that students need in order to get themselves thinking about poetry. And I was thinking about yes, I mean in any sort of reading or writing that we do in our class, there are two areas that. I love to talk about, and that is literary devices and figurative language. These are two things that just come up in all kinds of writing. And I'm and I do a read aloud with my class, even though I don't teach language um, in my first thirty minutes of the morning, just to get students, um, you know, eased into the day. Um, I start with a very light read aloud, and and I'm very lucky because my class is so receptive to this read aloud. They just come in and they're just like, "This is all we want. We don't want anything else right now. Just don't, don't bring up work, don't bring up homework, don't bring up anything. We just want to rest our heads, look up at the screen, look at the the book as you're reading, and we just want to listen. That's it." a nice calm 30 minutes and after every as I'm reading you know I have my brain is firing on all engines as I'm reading because I'm pointing I'm picking out all of the different literary devices that I'm seeing I'm finding all of the figurative language so that when I'm done reading that particular passage I can talk to my students about hey remember when we we came across that metaphor Um, what does that metaphor mean or what does this actually mean it doesn't mean this in the literary sense literally what, what does this mean in metaphorically? So, um, we, we do a lot of this talk in class and, um, we need this pre-teaching when it comes to uh, poetry, because as we know, poetry is not literal. It's very metaphorical. There's a lot of figurative language in it. And, um, and the second thing that you talked about in your, in your last little blurb there, um, was the connection and the trust and the vulnerability. And this, when it comes to middle school students, is very, very, very important with poetry. There's so much vulnerability involved. And if you're not able to connect to your students, you're not going to get that real juice from them, from their poetry. They're not really going to get deep. They're not going to, they're just going to give you the fluff, the same stuff they've been throwing out for the last five or six years with regards to their poetry. So something that I have found that has been very helpful in having middle school students and high school students connect with poetry is social media. And social media has become huge, huge with poetry, in particular, Instagram. Um, Insta poetry has led to... (laughs) I just learned something new right now. Actually, it's not new. It's old. I I just learned it doesn't make it new, but that's Insta poetry. I'm I'm writing notes. Yes. (laughs) Jay's eyes just lit up. I love that word, Insta poetry. Yes, Insta poetry has led to the success of so many young poets. Poetry has never been an art form that has made people money in the past. It's been an art form that people engage in on the side. You know, it's nobody has ever made money from being a a famous poet in their living years until now. Instagram, social media has been what has led to this. And many people who are in the younger generation today really connect to this. 
this ability to take your words and immediately post them out and have people connect to them. There are so many artists, which we'll talk about in just a moment, to have uh, become so famous because of this and be being able to immediately get their art out to people in mass um, has led to their fame and just completely blowing up. And because of this, I think that poetry has experienced a huge resurgence in the last couple of years, which has been fantastic for the field because poetry has sort of been this art form that's been hiding in the background for quite some time, but now it's in the limelight again. And so I think that that has really helped students to be able to connect a lot more to it today. That's Absolutely. Absolutely. Have absolutely wondering if you haven't picked up before. You know, we always pick up on each other's tags before <laughs> we recognize our own tags. So I immediately told uh, Pav this morning, you know, you, knew, you say absolutely every time there's transition. So it's Pav absolutely wandered. She goes, you say ultimately all the time. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, ultimately she's correct. This is the absolute right time to dive in to our three enlightened minutes guests this week. Yes, today we have Melvin and Sharon Dukes, and they are hosts of the After School Podcast. And some of these these two people we connected to almost immediately when we started our own podcast and we got hooked up onto Twitter. And they are two people that we've known for a long time now. We've been listening to each other's podcasts for a long time, and we have a huge connection with them. And they are going to be our three Enlightened Minutes guests today, and they are talking about their right program, and they're from Georgia in the United States. So here are Melvin and Sharon Dukes with their three Enlightened Minutes. Hi, my name is Melvin Dukes. And I'm Sharon Dukes. We are the host of After School Talk Podcast. And And these these are our three Enlightened Minutes. As an intervention specialist for high schools, I work to build extracurricular intervention programs to assist students in their academic motivation and sense of belonging within the school. And now I am a student leadership coordinator at a university. And as a math teacher, my goal was to help students build confidence and further develop critical thinking skills. I actually took pride in being able to break down concepts and make it enjoyable. Currently, I get to live out my true passion of STEM by working at a college in the admissions department and developing STEM recruitment ideas and events. And we are currently located in Georgia in the United States. So what is our big cause? Our big cause is pushing education in the right direction. Now that's R-I-T-E. And I bet you are wondering what that means. First, it starts with being intentional with the extracurricular activities offered at K through 12 schools. We want to see these programs developed in the same fashion as student affairs programs at colleges and universities across the country. For college students, we offer full staff and curriculums from everything like student involvement, academic advising, counseling, intramural sports and recreation, career development, student government, student leadership, religious services, multicultural engagement, orientation, first year experience, and wellness services. And that is only a few of the services. But why should this level of service only begin at the college level? Students deserve to have this as a standard from the first day of school to graduation. These additions can make a major impact in increasing academic motivation, building faculty-student relationships, 
creating a sense of belonging, and developing a positive school culture. And it doesn't stop there. As we beef up the extracurricular content, we also take a look at the co-curricular activities. The art of teaching is beyond the classroom. As we push in the right direction, co-curricular activities would be used to expose students to various career fields. For me, I push for more exposure in the field of STEM, using co-curricular activities to expose students to hands-on experiences with scientific research, robotics, coding, mathematical modeling, collecting data, and more importantly, doing these activities in conjunction with various scientists and STEM experts. Okay, Melvin, so how do we get this done the right way? R-I-T-E? Yeah, that way. Well, we believe our model of utilizing intentional rite of passage interventions implemented through school-based adult-led activities will optimize the educational experience for students. Hmm. So, if you take out all the fancy words, basically, we just do what the college do, right? Basically. Okay. Well, as simple as that may sound, it takes the support of others, like our friend Shane Path at the staff room. We use our platform to build awareness in this area and show teachers how powerful their role in advising student council, hosting a career fair, or providing hands-on experience is necessary. Just imagine what it can be when you have the right tools to make it grow. And it can be so much fun. This is an opportunity for teachers to spread their wings and show students a different side of education. We want this to be a stress-free zone full of excitement for both teachers and students. So yeah, here at After School Talk, we joke, we laugh, we have a good time. Ha-ha. But most importantly, <laughs> we push for a greater cause and push education in the right direction. Now, back, back to, to you, Shay and Path. Me and Mrs. Champ really enjoyed those three light minutes. I can't wait to see who can actually get this reference later on this week on social nobody's, media. Nobody's nobody's gonna get it. Nobody is going to get it. You say, pardon me. <laughs> Those were the Dukes, and you are right. They're one of the first people we connected with on the Twitterverse and our journey on uh, educational podcast. One of the first one we listened to, and then it took us a while to say, why, why have we not had them on our podcast? Let's we chat with them all the time via Twitter. It's time to hear their message and hear their right message. And so we're one very thankful and feel very blessed that we've connected with them, but stayed connected with them also. And I'm really glad they got a chance to to share their message, share their insights here on our podcast this afternoon. Yeah. For sure. And uh, so that was great. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Melvin and Sharon. So um, we now need to get into a little bit more specific. So Che, I want to hear a little bit more about your your poetry program in your classroom. In the last few years, I've been invited to your poetry soiree that you hold at the end of every year. And I this is one of my favorite events that happens in the school the entire year. I wait every year for this to happen in June. You know what? I talked at the beginning about the fact that as a teacher as a whole, you want to just get comfortable or embracing the idea that sometimes your best units are the ones that you're not most instinctively gifted at. I teach volleyball fine. I teach basketball fine. In fact, I'll teach those subjects even better than fine. They're my wheelhouse. I can do it. But poetry wasn't my wheelhouse. And so... I spent the time researching, 
talking with people, getting ideas, reading some poetry, because I can go on my rant like from my interlude about, don't just tell me to get out of my comfy zone and think you've done your job. No, you need to prepare yourself to get outside your comfort zone. And you need to have someone that's going to be there with you to advise and give support and give feedback before you just wildly jump out of your comfort zone and think somehow that's great learning or that's great teaching. Certainly wouldn't be with my students. I wouldn't tell them just, you know what, get out of your comfy zone today, kids. Let's do some poetry. Yeah, wait till you see what you get out of that. Not Mm -hmm. very much. (laughs) So I prepared myself to get out of my comfort zone. I researched. I did some investigation on poetry. I talked to people that knew something about it. Even on my early days on Twitter, I reached out to teachers that were doing great poetry things and asked them questions. And it set myself up to setting up a great poetry unit. And so I talked before about all the pre-activities I did, but I've run a really big poetry soiree, as we called it in the biz. Mm -hmm. Gym guy turns soiree, poetry (laughs) soiree. And it was just a fantastic unit. And it incorporated all kinds of different components where I asked students as a premise and sort of an open, open project where I didn't give a list of all things I wanted to check for all the time. I give a bunch of different tasks, a bunch of different options, and a lot of freedom. And then just sort of guided on the side, talked, interact, conference to see where we were going. But my basic concept was for our soiree, the end result was you were going to give a presentation. And if students weren't comfortable presenting in front of other classes or in front of their class, they didn't have to. There was not that type of pressure. They could present any way they wanted. But I ultimately, I tried to encourage students that let's get our end results. We're presenting in front of two or three classes or four classes. And we're either using the library stage or we set up our classroom with benches and we invite classes to come down. And that was the end result. And then we set ourselves up with how we going to build ourselves up to getting to this end result. I said, so as my task became, let's, let's make three poems, three different styles, three different presentation techniques. And then we're going to have a display board and we're going to have a walk through a gallery walk. And then I guided a little bit because some students have, when they get that freedom, they're gone. But other students, they do need some guidelines. Not because they need to have guidelines. They wanted some direction. And so I connected, said, let's do one poem about our novel study. Pick a character in our novel study and write a poem about them. And then embedding into other curriculum, we were doing history at the time, I said, let's have a historical poem. And one of the greatest poems, as I go off on a tangent, was a poem about Sir John A. Macdonald that was fantastic. I still remember, I don't remember every word, but I remember how great it was, still five or six years beyond. And so I had a second one, I said, I connected to my history curriculum, I said, we're going to have a history poem. And then I left it open, I said, for a third poem, you can go wide open, you can go free, or I have a third suggestion, because I don't want to necessarily tell every kid every theme of every poem. I don't want it to be micromanaged. But on a Twitter from a conversation from another teacher, they had told me, you know what, take a local street corner, and you use the street corner as the premise for your poem. So I said, okay, we're doing street corner. Here's our street corner. We're at such and such and such and such. And we use our street corner as the preface for our poem. And so I gave those students three poems, three themes. And then I said, they need to be presented three different ways. You maybe want to write it. Maybe you want to paint it. Maybe you want to do a voice note of it. Maybe you wanted to make an iMovie of it. And it was that freedom, that blank canvas to present any which way. And then I gave them all a display board, although I said they didn't have to have a display board to do it. But I said, this is available to you. 
and you can construct everything you want. And they sort of gave their whys of why they had poems. And so I had students that had all these creative models and paintings and iPads with videos they made and voice notes they made. And the students just dove right into it. And the level of creativity was far beyond whatever I thought. You think I'm teaching a poetry unit to these kids? No, 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 Mr. Cheney. Mm-hmm. These kids are going to teach a poetry unit to you, kitty. You're the one going to do the learning. You're the one that's going to be in awe. You're the one that's going to be patting them on the back and say, oh my, I cannot believe what you just produced produce for yourself, the voice. And then when you tap into those things we talked about before, you learn so much about our students. Those middle school kids have such stories to tell. And although if you go back and you say, we're going to do poetry today, they moan and groan. They really ain't moaning and groaning. They are ready to just give their voice and tell their story. And so I've run these wonderful poetry stories that with that context in the in the preface, They've gone to the ultimate levels that afterwards, once we've done these great soirees and we've had classes walk through and see their work and they've done this presentation for other kids, they then go off and run these little mini workshops and you should mm-hmm. see how excited they are to teach younger kids about their poetry. And so my poetry soiree has just been been that. I wasn't an expert in poetry. I got some advice from people that I didn't even know. I just saw work they were doing. I asked questions. I read. I got examples. And then I built a plan. And I basically just worked in those groups of three. Three poems. Three styles. The end goal is let's make a presentation. But let's not make you nervous. If you don't want to present in front of a couple of classes, that's fine. We'll find a way for you to present in a way that makes you feel comfortable. And then... It's not even about what I said next. It's about what they gave next. Mm-hmm. The level of creativity, the the art, the paintings, the sculptures, the the voice notes, the videos they made, the very traditional written down on paper poems just blew you away. I love this poetry soiree unit that you do for so many reasons. One, the agency that's involved here on the part of the students. They take complete ownership of this because this is 100% all of them. They don't have anybody standing over them, micromanaging what they are doing. They have complete freedom of choice in regards to, I mean, they have the direction from the teacher, but they have freedom of choice of how they want to present. You are accommodating everything for them. So, you know, every student their needs are being met in this situation. They don't want to do an oral presentation of their poem. They don't have to. Why do you need to? It's poetry. You are expressing yourself in the way that you're able to do so best. You are also embedding many different strands of the curriculum into this by incorporating art, by incorporating history. You can write a poem about math. You're writing about your read-alouds. You're doing poetry about whatever else you want to do. And then on top of that, you were allowing students to be able to build, continue to build the culture in their classroom by offering up their vulnerability, by saying, you know what, I feel like I'm in a safe enough place for me to be able to express myself freely and openly with everybody else in my classroom, but not only just in my classroom, but everybody else in my school. I am in grade eight. I have earned my position here. I've been here for 10 years. I am allowed to say, this is what all of my teachers have given me. This is where all the prerequisites have brought me. This is where all of my pre-teaching has brought me. And I am ready. I am ready to showcase everything that I know how to do to the rest of the school. And then I'm going to give back to them 
by doing the mini workshops, by allowing them to come and see what I've been able to do in grade eight so that those grade six, five, four students that come in to see, they know when I get to grade eight, I'm going to be able to do that. I'm going to be able to perform in that way. I'm going to be able to give, be, I'm going to be given the freedom of choice. I'm going to be able to take everything that I've learned over the past how many years and throw it together in this incredible showcase of my abilities. And I think that is fantastic. That is such an unbelievable culmination of not only what you have learned in poetry and language arts, but what you have learned in 10 years of being in in the same school with your peers. And so unbelievable. I love it. It's one of my favorite units. It's one of my favorite things to go and see. And um, I think it would be incredible for, you know, even if we were doing this together to throw everything together all in one giant. I keep saying you have to do your soiree again this year because I want it. I want to be a part of it. Some years is more intense. Yes. Some years is more mild. So okay. I've had years where I've just in, taken over the library and had five or six classes and run in three or four workshops. And then other years when I, I modify my classroom, I'll move benches in, we'll have classes come through mm-hmm. one after the other. It's certainly... It, it, for a couple of years, it was school culture. Like I just, I took over that library for the week. I think I at, at its pinnacle, I I ran it for two and a half days. Made sure every class came in, uh, and and it sort of it varies over time. You know how you're gonna embed it in your program or timings. Other things always take factors. So other years I've had it where it's more mild, where it's in my classroom and I have classes sign up and maybe only six or seven classes sign up to participate. Mm-hmm. But at its maximum output. I just took over the library. It was like trading spaces. Mm -hmm. I moved everything around to facilitate every possible scenario that I wanted. I wanted the big stage. I wanted an area to work. I wanted a crowd to be able to watch the performers speak comfortably rather than being jammed up. So certainly the soiree has been something embedded in my program. It modifies year to year. Of course, as it always does. Evolves. That's teaching. And then... It's just been, but it's been a foundation of my program. And to come back to those as we wrap up, come back to the two big themes is one, our middle school kids will embrace poetry. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of poetry. And then don't be afraid of it because it's maybe not your wheelhouse. I am not a poetry guy. No one sees me walking down the hall and says, hey, there's a poetry teacher, eh? Yeah, you don't look so much like a poetry teacher. No one's ever thinking that. But as a teacher, we go in and we get ourselves prepared. And sometimes we become even more focused and more diligent in making sure we take care of every single angle when we're dealing with a subject matter that's not necessarily our wheelhouse. So we talk about poetry. We want poetry for our, for our kids. But for our middle school experience, they really is a real chance for them to be vulnerable. And they really do have really important stories to tell. And then as a teacher, as an educator, just got to be comfortable diving into an area that's not necessarily my wheelhouse. I prepare myself for it. I don't blindly just jump in and say, I'm getting out of my comfort zone. No, I prepare myself. But sometimes those subject matters that you're not necessarily an expert become your greatest parts of your program because you become so focused on making sure you get it right. Yep, that's right. And uh, so some great talk today. I, I don't even think we scratched the surface on everything that we wanted to talk about, even in our, you know, second try or second attempt at getting through everything in poetry today. But I thought it was great conversation. And uh, we want to thank you for listening to hey, us. It's yes. always great conversation when you're talking with me. Eh? And like, don't even get that in your head. That it's not great conversation. <laughs> when you come and show up with me, it's a great convo. <laughs> 
Thanks, Che. Uh, but yes. Say that again. I want to I, I'm just here to talk. Like, I'm not much about listening. I'm just here for talking. I'm a siege on stage. No, no. You're more like a guide on the side. But with, with that, I think that's our episode for today. So thanks for joining us on the Staff Room Podcast. And always remember to inspire, don't require. Education never dies, and ever since I've been a champ. <laughs> and always be a humble servant. Thank you, and enjoy your evening. You've been listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav. Written, performed and produced by Che Cheney and Pav Wanda in association with School Rubric, an online magazine and website designed for international and global educators. You can stay connected with Che and Pav by visiting their Twitter and Instagram pages. And also, check out their articles related to each episode on the School Rubric webpage. All links are provided in the episode write-up. The podcast is recorded weekly at their in-class studio and performed in front of a live studio audience. Be sure to join Che and Pav next week, because there's always something to talk about in the staff room. <laughs>